Charlene and Bob Steinkamp, the founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, are pleased to bring you the following message. To find out more about other materials available from Rejoice Marriage Ministries, or if we can minister to you in any other way, please contact us. You can write Rejoice Marriage Ministries, P.O. Box 10548, Pompano Beach, Florida, 33061. Please visit our website at www.rejoiceministries.org. Our hope is that through Charlene's message, you will receive the encouragement from the Lord and with His strength and power, your marriage can be all that your Heavenly Father planned it to be. Welcome to Rejoice Marriage Ministries Conference Call today. We're so excited to have everyone here calling in to listen to our June conference call. And we have a very special program for you today, and I know you're going to enjoy it. And we hope you will start sharing this program with others right now, texting, calling many of your family, friends, standards, or Facebook friends to call in and listen to our program live today. So we're thrilled to have you. And uh, this program is being recorded, so you can tell others about it, and they can go to our website tonight at 7 o'clock and listen to it and it will be up there forever afterwards. And they can go to Rejoice Ministries, R-E-J-O-I-C-E Ministries dot O-R-G, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S dot O-R-G. So we're thrilled to have you all here. I want to first say thank you to our staff, Lori and Tim, that are with us today. And you're going to hear from Lori in a little bit. And Tim is doing all the things that need to be done to make this happen. And we have two guests with us today who is um, are both special to me. And Deanne is from Fort Lauderdale, and you may recognize her name if you have talked to her and had a, her pray with you at our office. And she's our intercessor, one of our intercessors, and she prays for you regularly and on phone calls. And we're thrilled to have her here. She's been a stander for several years praying for her husband, and he's now home. And then um, she also has been had the opportunity, because of the enemy attacking um, her adult children, she's got a daughter praying for her marriage, and she has a son that had other issues, but God has had victory in so many things in their lives that they're just praising the Lord right now. And uh, we're blessed to have Jim. And Jim is one of our men who you will know also if you read the Standing for Men's Devotional. And yes, women do read the Men's Devotional because they just want to see what the men are saying and how they're standing also. And uh, we have met, he's standing firm uh, devotionals. He's written several. And he's also praying for his wife, who's been gone about four years, with little to no communication. And Jim is active in his church and is very active at his church. He has a lot of different things he's involved in. And uh, we're thrilled to have Deanne and Jim uh, participate with us, and you're going to hear them talking in a little while, and they're also going to be praying. Uh, Jim's going to pray for the men's standards, and uh, Deanne is going to also pray for the women's standards and so forth. So we're excited about them both being with us today. But first, I'm going to open up with... um, teaching, and I'm going to have you get your Bibles, paper, if you're at home or at work, that you can jot down some scriptures 
I'm going to be giving you some, and then in a little while I'm going to do something we haven't done for quite a while, and we do it on our conference at our conferences every time, and we're opening up to questions and answers. And we've already done this. We've already got questions and answers, some from Facebook and many from standards that have written to us and asked questions, and we just keep them. And so we're going to share a few today, and that is always uh, a treat because everybody loves questions and answers. So we're going to open up with Psalm chapter 3, and if everybody wants to get their Bible out and flip to that, we're going to start there, and then I'm going to open up with a prayer. But first, Psalm 3 is a psalm of David where he fled from um, his, he was fleeing from his son Absalom. And uh, how many things are, you know, we can be fleeing or trying to flee from the attack of a divorce and separation or our husband or wife speaking death to our marriage. So I want you to understand David was in a, a, a fight for his life. And we're in a fight for our life, for our marriages. And uh, so this really, when I read it, it just touched me, so I'm going to share it with you today. And it says, Oh, Lord, how many are our foes? And there can be many different enemies that you see uh, right now, and that's why I thought of that. How many are our foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Selah. Do not listen to that. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. He, I lie down and I sleep. I wake up because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands that are drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. From the Lord. May I emphasize this. I could go through this whole teaching and just do on this, which I didn't plan. But from the Lord comes deliverance. And may your blessing be on your people, Selah. And, Lord, I just pray right now that is before I even say another word, this psalm is so powerful because we do have people coming against us in many different ways in life and especially in marriage problems and the enemies are not are not flesh and blood but it's rulers authorities it's this dark worldness that is coming against us the enemy of satan and we and all of his demons and we are just learning to fight against the tricks and schemes of the enemy. And we do not want to get angry at our husbands, our wives. We do not want to get uh, angry and, and furious and jealous of the other person because they are we are your child, Lord. Either they do or do not know you, and but you want them to know you. And so our responsibility would be to pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for them to go to your perfect will and way. And So, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, just be with us today. Open our spiritual eyes and ears as we read the word. Open our ears to hear your truth, 
your truth is going to set each of us free and our spouses free, our children free from the lies of the enemy. And, oh, Lord, we need you. We need you to give us wisdom and knowledge and direction and insight. And may you speak to us so loudly. As I cried out so many years ago, write it on the wall, Lord, because I cannot hear you. But, Lord, I know that you speak to our standards as we read about it. And you speak to them on billboards, and you speak to them on trucks, and you speak to them on in the Word of God. It just lifts off the page. And so, Lord, we are asking that you would open their eyes, their ears, and their heart to hear and see and receive this message and hope that we want to pour into them today to give them the faith that they need, the hope and the trust. And we will just praise you and thank you for all that you're going to do this hour and a half. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I must say that this Psalm 3 is awesome. I hope you study it. I hope you read it. But I want to just emphasize just a little bit. Number one, it's a layman. It's consisting of a fervent calling on God. It is just crying out to him. And that is, man, I've done that many times in my life and still do sometimes regarding circumstances. And so it's it's us crying out and being honest and and humbling ourselves to cry out to the Lord instead of being strong-willed and not crying out to God and saying we're going to do it our way and our way is the only way. And number two, it's going to give us the believers is trouble. It's us regardless of the circumstances. It can be us suffering with an illness or we are going through trials and tribulations or there may be an injustice. And, you know, when I think of injustice, when I saw that in the concordance, I thought, you know, that's all of those courts, those trials, those mediations that our, our standards are going through where their husbands and wives are wanting to split the custody or fight for the custody or fight for all the money and, and to not give any money and all of these things. And we've got to understand that the total key to this is we need to trust in God. We need to believe in who we serve and believe he is able to turn circumstances around to good. And so we need to trust in God. I don't think we understand how much trust is, is um, really such a key to walking with the Lord. And you look up Proverbs 3 and uh, read 5 and 6. I'm not going to do it today because of our time and I've got other scriptures, but I want you to know where you can go. And also, we need to understand verse 7. Verse 7 says, Arise, O Lord, deliver, O my God, deliver me. And that has got to be your cry. You, you need to use those words and ask the Lord to help you and to deliver you from these circumstances, deliver your spouse, your children from the circumstances they're facing, and to destroy the enemy, rout the enemy, the R-O-U-T, rout the enemy, remove the enemy from your life and from your marriage and from your family. So that is also a key in this scripture. And number number four and verse eight is choosing to praise the Lord, choosing to thank him and, and thanking him that he is going to come and give you deliverance. That's victory, and he's also thank you for his blessings being on us. 
you remember there's so many scriptures I've been saying recently and teaching at many places is that if you would read Ephesians, read um, any of the books of uh, Paul that he's wrote, is at the very beginning he asks and gives us grace and mercy and abundance. He blesses his people first. And we want to praise the Lord and thank you for all the blessings that he gives us in the daytime, in the nighttime. We want you to feel that peace of God that is beyond understanding, and that's my prayer for you. In Hebrews 4.16, since um, we did Psalm 3, I did some um, research on the other of, of a scripture that would be good with this, and it's Hebrews 4.16. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Lord is with us today. I have prayed and prayed and prayed for the Lord to use my mouth, and he put the words in my mouth so that you will hear his words. And we want you to know that we want, he wants you to walk with faith and hope and confidence. Confidence that knowing he's right there with you, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. He is your spouse for this season, your husband. And we have got to understand that he is right there and that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Really, we can pray this scripture for your spouse also because they don't know it, but they need help. And they need God's mercy and grace more than anyone else right now. And we want them to find God's grace to help them in their time of need when they lay down and realize what the mess they made. And I think that would be such a blessing if we prayed for them to receive God's mercy and grace. And we will give them compassion instead of that anger, that bitterness, that hatred, that venom that's coming out of some of our mouths that we even say to them. So we want to be careful because we're trying to say, Lord, change me, and then change my spouse. But if we are still acting and reacting to everything they say and do, they're not seeing Jesus in us. And we want them to see Jesus in us because, man, I had to change. And the Lord really did... um, as I have said before, Jeremiah 18 overhaul on rebuilding me totally from the bottom up because I tell you, I, I had uh, had the venom coming out of my mouth and my body and so much that I divorced Bob, even not listening to uh, the Holy Spirit. So ask the Lord for his divine wisdom in every one of your situations. You're, you you want to write us and say, well, what about this? What about that? There is the greatest counselor that you've got right there with you, and that's the Holy Spirit living in you. And if you're a believer, and it's James 1.5, and he will give you divine wisdom. You have to sit in a chair. You have to get on your knees. You have to pray and say, here's my situation. But it says if you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind, that men should not think he will receive anything from the Lord, because he's double-minded and unstable in all he does. 
I want you to, to believe that you can rest in the Word and trust God with all your circumstances, that He is able to be your defender, your deliverer, your advocate, your protector, and provider. There's nothing too hard for God to do, but He needs us to pray, and we need to seek His face. We have to ask Him for help. We must seek and cry out. If we don't cry out and ask, then He's not going to come to us. Because he is uh, a relational, he wants a relationship with us. So what we must do is call on the Lord and then be still and listen for his voice. Listen for his instructions. And then, as it says in Philippians 4, he will give us peace that is beyond your understanding in your heart and your mind. And I I think of that example and that thought I had of sitting still. And, and just listening. None of us probably do that too well, but I thought of, of the story in the Bible and Mary and Martha in Luke 10, where it says, verses 38 and 40 to 42, if you're happy to read, read that, as I am flipping my Bible to it, to read it. But literally, Jesus was at a party and they were having a guest over and and they were um, getting ready to to serve them and do all that needed to be done. And it says in verse 38, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. And this is Lazarus' sister. That, that I must, I'll give you that little sideline. She opened her home to, her, uh, to him, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet. That's a key listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations. How busy are we all doing things with church and so many activities and ministry that we do not have time for the Lord to spend time with him, reading the word, praying, and just sitting and listening. I can tell all tell you all that that can happen to me. It can happen to anybody, but if we must put him first. He, ha- he wants to be first, and he wants us even at the end of the day, close with um, just a book of the Bible or a small um, devotional. He wants us to be prepare our hearts to always remember him. But Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, if I had a company here, I would be yelling for my grandchildren to come and help me. Instead, he's saying, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we need to slow down. We need to rest. We need to take time for the Lord, and that is very important. It's a, it's a spiritual lesson and a spiritual rule for people in ministry that we can get so busy and you don't have time for your family, for pastors have to make time. And uh, it's, it's something I wanted to share with you because you could be very busy because you are the only one at home right now. You do not have a husband or a wife to do some things to help you out. You are there with your children or maybe without your children. And you are just overwhelmed. But regardless, we need to stop and read his word, 
pray and listen to him speak to us. And we can ask questions and write it on a journal and wait for the answers because he will speak to us. Maybe not that day, but in the future. And that is where the Lord is our commander-in-chief. He wants to have time for us to fight for our marriage, and he needs to give us the battle plans and give us the ideas. We need to increase our faith, hope, and trust, and perseverance. And I also want to ask you, do you have the joy of the Lord? Because we need to radiate the joy of the Lord while we're standing and fighting and praying. We need to radiate Jesus Christ each and every day when we go to work, when we go out to church. And there's going to be a time in the season at the very beginning that we may be uh, very emotional and crying and shocked because of the circumstances. And as I, when I became very emotional was after my divorce when the Holy Spirit, when I went to a church service and I found out I was, I had really committed a huge um, sin and and disobeyed God and to the point of destroying and stop and divorcing my husband. When my husband did ask me uh, one last time at Thanksgiving to forgive him and I said no. And here I am in March and April listening to sermons of, of a couple that said, um, never give up, never give up. So I know you never might not have ever made all the mistakes I made, but that time was when I was very emotional because I was sobbing for God to forgive me for all that I had done because God revealed it, opened my eyes to see. And Zechariah 4 says a very powerful scripture, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The Lord is going to empower you to be able to be all that you need to be through this difficult time in your life. And what you're facing today, the Lord is wanting you to seek him and he will. He wants to change your spouse. He wants to turn circumstances around. But I want you to know God loves you. He knows everything about you. Read Psalm 139 um, because it says, I knew you before you even were born, even in the womb. It says at the end of it, it says, search me, O God, verse 23, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And that is a prayer I pray frequently because I want the Lord to always test me and know my heart and make sure there are not any wrong things in my heart or any wrong anger, bitterness, anything, or I'm anxious about anything. We need to, to have peace that is beyond understanding. And, uh, and that's what we can do. That's a good psalm for you to know. Remember, Satan has a path for you, and, and his way is a, the, is a, you don't want to go on a detour road. You want to pick up your cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But Satan is out to deceive you, and he wants to blind you. He wants you to stop, and I'm going to list many things he wants you to stop doing. And let's see where you are. He wants you to stop believing in the power of God. He wants you to stop believing that God can do anything. Because he can. 
He wants you to stop reading the Word of God. He wants you to stop praying the Word of God with your spouse's name in it. He wants, Satan wants you to stop listening to praise music and worship the King of Kings every day, not just on Sundays. Satan wants you to stop um, reading the Bible daily. He wants you to, Satan wants you to stop speaking faith, hope, and trust with scriptures. Instead, he wants you to have that fear and doubt and unbelief that he keeps trying to put upon you. Excuse me. The enemy wants wants you to throw in the towel and stop standing. He wants you to give up right now. And he tries to tell you that many times due to different circumstances. How long are you wanting to wait? Well, I know what I said on my wedding day, and I know it said till death do us part, and I know that after I started standing and I recommitted my heart and life to the Lord and repented of my sins, it wasn't long after, and somewhere within two and a half years, out of my mouth came to Bob one day that when he said, I'm never coming home, and I said, well, if you're never coming home, I'm going to be sitting here in the rocking chair on our front porch and I'm going to just wait for you. And you just may miss the best years, but I'm going to be sitting here waiting for you because I know I'm standing for my wedding vows, and I'm, I made a covenant with God and, and you. And it just came out. But I use that now because I want us to understand we need, does God expect us? God does expect us when you read the word that, that he, his best way would be to fight for your marriage. That's God's best way for your family. Your spouse seems to be living in Sin City and seems very happy. But remember, when if the trumpet was to cry out today and the Lord would return, where would he be going? Remember, we want them to pray that they will leave their life of sin. As the, in John 8, it says that the woman that was committed adultery and was brought before Jesus he was talking to her and talked to them also. And he said afterwards, there was nobody to throw the stones at her to kill her. But he said, go now and leave your life of sin. And that's what he wants us to do, our spouses to do, and we live a life like that. Will you stand in the gap for your spouse and your children, for the sake of your children and for the future generations of your family? Satan does not want you to fight for your marriage. He wants you to, to um, not believe in the book of Hosea, where Hosea was a prophet that wrote a book that talked about Israel's unfaithfulness, rejection, but restoration. And it also is for us, as he told Hosea to love a woman who was an adulteress. It's a book to read. So I'm just saying, don't, are you listening to Satan? To the lies, are you believing what God is speaking to you? Now, I want to close with a powerful story, and that is one that you probably have all read, you've all heard, and you can go to 1 Samuel 17. And I'm just not going to even read too many scriptures, but I want you to understand that, yes, you are facing a giant. It looks bad. It sounds bad. It appears to be horrible if you're in the court 
um, right now fighting for all your things that are going on. But I want you to understand that your giant, which David had to face, and the Israelites had to face in 1 Samuel 17. And it's, it's a chapter I wish you would read today, tomorrow, the next day. And read the details of it as I did last night. And it shows that the champion, Goliath, was from Gath, coming out of the Philistine camp. And he was over nine feet tall. And he had a bronze helmet on his head at verse 4 and wore a coat of a scale armor of bronze wing, 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin and was slung on his back. And his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed um, 600 shekels and his shield bearer went ahead of him. And Goliath stood and shouted and screamed at the um, the Israelite army, and he said, uh, "Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, he will become um, we'll become your servants. We will become your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and service." And then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And, you know, the story goes on and on, but there was no one. The Israelites were shaking in their their boots and they were scared. And they did not have the confidence or believe in the power of God at that moment. But David was a shepherd, a boy. He was not... Uh, old enough to be in the army yet, and he was told by his father to go and feed his brothers and give them some bread and things to take to them. And when he got there, he started hearing this um, giant speaking such horror against God. And he believed in God because when when David was a shepherd, he was he fought against lions and bears. And so he kept telling everybody, you know, I can kill him. And they thought they were he was crazy, but they took him before Saul, the king, and he says, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight against him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting men from his youth. And verse 34 is key to us today. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep with a line. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went up after it. I struck it, I rescued it, and the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord will deliver me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And he was going to deliver me now from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said, okay, go ahead. So they tried to put on some different um, armor on him, but it didn't fit. He says, I can't wear these. He says, I'm just going to go out. And he says he took his little staff in his hand and he chose his five smooth stones from the streams and put them in the pouch on his bag, on his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, 
and he went out to kill the Philistine. Now, this is offensive to the Philistine because he wanted a big army or a big husky man to fight him. And he said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And he says, come here and I'm going to give you flesh to the birds of the air. Well, the bottom of the story is you know what happened. David said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine armies to the birds of the air of the beasts of this earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Wow. You know what? He did it. He went out and he moved closer to him and he ran quickly toward him and toward the battle line. And he reached in his bag and he took out a stone. He slung it and it struck the Philistine and it killed him instantly. And he faced him face down and he went to him and he cut off his head and he did all that and killed him, and then he ran over and took hold of his sword and did all that needed to be done. You can read all the details. Bottom line is the giant of Goliath was dead by a boy who believed in the mighty power of God, who had the training that he had as a shepherd, and God will empower us and give us the training that we need to do to fight against the enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy our marriages, our families, and much more. But we've got to stand up like David and declare that God we serve is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever begin to imagine. We need to stand on the promises of God, and we need to not run back or uh, not cry out to God, but we need to speak up, speak the truth, speak the promises, and tell the devil to leave your house, leave your husband or wife, and to get away from your family in the name of Jesus. And the Lord will have victory. And that's how I'm going to end for today for our teaching, because I want you to believe that God is able to do anything. Let me pray. Lord, I just pray. I praise you and thank you for this story. I don't use it as often as I should because there's so much powerful nuggets of gold in it that we can get in it. But David had no fear. He walked in faith, hope, and trust and believed what you had done for him for so many years. Lord, I just pray that we will become like David and we will walk in courageousness and with, with boldness and say, I know who I serve. I serve a risen Savior who killed, um, defeated Satan. And even though Jesus died on the cross, God had him arose. He arose and defeated Satan and everything else. History was changed forever. May we rise up to be mighty men and women of God who are believers 
in an army to fight for our marriages and fight against divorce and not give in to it, even if we become divorced. I was divorced, but I lived married for the rest of my life until Bob came home. And I still, even though I'm widowed, I, in my heart of hearts, am married with God, and I'm not looking for anybody else. We need to be satisfied with what the enemy is going to do. Will you, Lord, will you touch each and every one that listens to this teaching and speak to them where they need to grow and where they need to change? And may you mold them and make them up to be a mighty prayer warrior, a mighty soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ's army. And we fight the enemy and we win. There's victory in Jesus Christ. And marriages are being resurrected. Husbands and wives are being are turning around and having the Holy Spirit have an encounter with them and their lives are being transformed. Marriages are being transformed and restored and we are asking you to do that, not for one person, but for every one of them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Lori, we're going to do the next fun topic I love to do. All right. Well, I have some questions that we have um, gathered from Facebook and from Twitter and some questions that were um, submitted to us by email. And so we're going to just go through um, as many of those as we can get to. So let's jump right in. The first question is, how can God restore a marriage with no communication when my husband has even married someone else? I have no one to stand with me, no family or friends. It's just me and God. I love my husband, but how can I do this? That is an excellent question. And there's many, many people that are doing this right now due to a non-covenant marriage. Um, And Bob was planning on getting married, so I was already asking God what I should do. And he was already told me that I was to live married until Bob came home. He said it didn't matter if he went into a second marriage or a third or a fourth, that sooner or later he had promised me, given me promises, that Bob was coming home. But first, I want to ask and and say this to anybody that's got this situation, is that you need to get into a church that believes in marriage restoration and that you have somebody that you can get a group of a small group of women, one woman, um, and get uh, have a prayer partner, and and find somebody. God will ask God to send you one person that will be a prayer partner, and He will do it in His perfect timing. Um, also, we need to serve the Lord completely, and we need to live married. Because in my eyes, in God's eyes, I believe we are still married, but. You know, the bottom line is you have an assignment, and God's given you an assignment. And even though you may not be able to talk a lot about this with your family and friends because it's a touchy subject, you're doing this with the Lord, okay? So I would say live married and find, uh, get involved in, in your church. Be a servant of, of your church. Get into Bible studies and uh, and grow in the Lord and uh, let the Lord change you completely. And then you will never know 
especially if you have children of any age, it doesn't matter if they're all grown up, you may have no contact with your spouse, uh, they will hear or know and God will reveal to them all how you are. And you're, you're still praying fervently for in scriptures with him uh, to come home. So um, anybody want to add another comment to that? I would just add that um, if if your church does not support it as a whole, look for a church that does, like my mom said, but pray about that sincerely before you do it because people contact us all the time and say they're looking for a church that will support their stand, and God may have you in a church family that's not supportive of your stand right now because you're going to be a witness to the people in that church and maybe even the pastor. So if you're in a church that is preaching the word and and they are kind of not sure how to handle your stand on that, just pray and ask God to show you what his will is for that and where he wants you. But be in a church. That is the most important thing that we can say because we know it's hard to go to church alone or if you and your spouse used to belong to a church and now suddenly you're by yourself there and you don't know where you fit in. Should I go to the same class I used to go to? Should I sit in the same pew I used to sit in? Um, you don't let all of those those giant hurdles that you need to cross um, become a, a blockage to you going to church. You need to be there because as much as you need to be fed, your testimony of what you're going through right now is going to minister to other people. And so mm-hmm. right now you may be like a Noah that you're doing this alone and people think you're crazy, but go forward anyhow and do it because you have God and that's the one that you need on your side. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, add one more thing? Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> no, go ahead, Jim. Deanne, go first. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to say that um, I know as far as my daughter and I are concerned and many that I've discussed with, um, we don't want to share where we are in our stand or any details or, um, you know, just as Jesus didn't take the disciples in that weren't in agreement with him and weren't in faith, he only let the two come in to, you know, heal heal um, the sick and, and the, I think it was the girl that was dead because we, we have to be in agreement and we have to be in unity. Amen. So I would say... Just if anyone asks, and you know that it's family or friends or even, even Christians, um, if they're asking you where you are and what's going on, don't share with them. Just say, I'm just praying for God's will to be done. You don't have to discuss anything with anyone because you don't want any negativity or any disagreement. You want to only bring those in that are in agreement, that are going to be encouraging and supporting. Um, even if that just means you, Jesus, and Holy Spirit in this ministry, just don't Amen. discuss anything with anyone that would bring you down or, or get you derailed or, or get you in the wrong thought pattern because that's how the enemy will, will try to trick you. Amen. Jim? Yeah, the only comment that I have is uh, maybe slightly different from all this. Um, I came into a church four years ago when my wife left and didn't know you know, what my church's view was. Initially, for about a couple of years, I was very quiet about my stand. And then I started kind of speaking to men in the community at church and realized that they don't know what a stand is. And, and I, be- I started to become more bold with the men in my church to the point where um, I now am uh, the church staff 
uses my testimony as a way to help other men who are going through very similar struggles. And I think it's really changed the view of this, you know, the staff at the church. I, my church is 10,000 people. Um, so it's very different, you know, difficult to align yourself with, I think, a church that supports your stand unless they know maybe um, what, what your stand is and what it looks like. Our stands, I mean, we're called by God to stand. We're not called by a person to stand. God mm-hmm. calls us as an individual to stand. And I think he uses our, our testimonies, just as Deanne just said, as part of his kingdom, not ours. Uh, and, and I see that unfolding uh, in, my, in my church with a staff as large as we have. One guy, I'm one guy who's standing for his marriage. It's the only one they know. And so it's, it's amazing how God can use us if we're bold enough to get involved in our community, to get involved in our church. But you have to be in your church. You have to be in a church and to be bold enough to want to be involved to, you know, to a level that you probably wouldn't expect God would use you ultimately. So I would encourage, my heart goes out to that, to that woman because uh, I know what that isolation feels like. I know how that feels. But I would, I would just say try to be bold. And, you know, there's a lot, uh, even uh, the Lord just reminded me, there's widow women that are sta- are staying widowed, and they may be ones that you could even have them pray for you, maybe one of them that really loved their husband and believes in marriage restoration. Um, and you could sit with them. You would be a lighthouse to them to sit with them because they're sitting alone also. There's a process of grief they're going through. So that's another thought I just had off the top of my head. But, Lori, we've got many questions, so let's keep on. Yeah. Okay, the next question is, how can I be sure when my ex-husband comes home that it will be forever? He came home two times before and he left. Well, I've I've... We've lived that route, and Bob loves talking about that in his uh, Tuesday devotionals. So go to Charlene Cares and read the Tuesdays, and you will get a lot of help from Bob personally. But um, but there are a lot of people, a lot of men and women, test the waters. Number one, they don't trust you. They don't believe that you've really changed. They Bob thought I was uh, put on an act, and he was waiting to push every button to mind that he could to see that I had not changed. He couldn't believe that how much I changed with all my idiosyncrasies that I had or bad habits or whatever to push his buttons, and he couldn't push my buttons. So they do test the waters, and also remember Satan is out to bring them back into that relationship. We need to pray for it to be severed, cut, and destroyed, break all the strongholds, that are from there, we need to pray for deliverance. We need to pray for him to be totally set free. Now, we recommend the Bob's book, Finding the Way Home, that some way after you read it and you know it, that you would pray that your husband would know about the ministry, that you could say, here's this man that, that came home, and he wrote this book at the end of his life because he knew he couldn't be able to talk to you and he is sharing from his heart. That is what that book is all about. How do you, 
How do you get rid of all the pictures? How do you get rid of all of her phone numbers? Don't contact her for her birthday and anniversaries and the kids' birthdays over there. And you have to sever cut and remove all that out of his life. And it takes time for it to to, to be removed, but that's where you're going to pray more when they return than they did. I know that there are many uh, men and women that once you see them home and they're really trying, you stop praying as much. You you get busier and you also um, have become um, the devil deceived you to not pray as much and the enemy stuck, comes right back in and attacks the spouse. So those are different things. So number one, we're really going to trust the Lord and we're going to continue to pray for his salvation. Number one, their salvation is key. We want them to become a believer. We want them to read the word of God and we want to pray for them to go to church. And once they start those additional steps, you're going to see them getting rooted into the Word of God and rooted in the Lord, and but it takes time. You can't push them for going to church or reading the Word. So this is where we've got now that he's gone or they may be gone again. That is where you've got to pray for them. Acts twenty six eighteen to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, to receive forgiveness of their sins and be sanctified in faith and receive forgiveness of their sins. We, we want let them me, to be... Let me just add something, a follow-up question we have. Um, as somebody says, uh, wrote, I'm a return prodigal, and I've gotten past the thoughts of the other person, but now I'm being flooded with those memories again. It makes me want to leave again. How can I fight this? And some of you that have a spouse home may not realize that your spouse is going through those feelings or emotions. And so you kind of have two issues to deal with. Number one is you need to work on things that happened while you were apart, and that may be your spouse getting over another person. And the second issue is that you have to work on your marriage and what led to the breakdown of your marriage. And so you all have to go back to square one Um, Some people have not had premarital counseling and you went into a marriage just without any guidance from somebody that can help you and it may be time to go back to that stage and say, okay, we're going to start at the beginning and go through counseling together. How do we set up guardrails in our marriage so that we don't have problems that we've encountered? And some of those may be when you're having feelings or you're struggling with wanting to contact the other person, it's okay to tell me and we'll work through it together. And if your spouse knows that that communication is open and they can come to you to say, you know what, I'm going to pray with you. I understand that you have feelings and emotions. I'll pray with you through this. Then they're not going to keep it in secrecy and struggle on their own battling the enemy alone with how to get through that. So you have to go back to the basics of your marriage and start building that foundation again. And um, we have the framework in Colossians um, chapter 3 for how to how to live as a married couple and what God wants from you. And it may mean that every six months you're trying to find a marriage conference to go to together. You're looking for a class you can take in your church on marriage. Practical things where you can go back to the beginning and build the marriage the way it should have happened in in the first step 
and then continually keeping that communication open together about moving forward and getting over the things that have happened. And that some of those things may be things that are going to be with you forever. If there was a child born while your husband or wife was out of the home, that is something now you need to, okay, as a couple, how do we work through having this other child that's coming into our family? And now we will constantly have communication with this other person. But the communication together is how you're going to overcome that pray together about it and work through that together. And Lori, we also, when we lived this, Bob um, was battling, uh, was happy for about six months, and then he started having troubles of the attack of the enemy with his thoughts. And on top of that, during this time, um, the other person would pop up at his work or follow him and just show up at different places. And uh, we made an agreement that I was not going to go crazy and that he was going to tell me that night that it happened so that I could pray for him. Now, I want to tell you the first time I didn't handle it perfectly. Um, But I'm telling you the second time I did, from there on in, I, I would get mad at the enemy not mad at her and not say a whole bunch of things and said and have comfort for my husband and and praising him that he told me and then um we've got to remember that that there's that book again finding the way home would help the prodigal this that he's a return prodigal i would recommend that but let me give you two a couple of scriptures it says in second corinthians uh, 10 for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that set itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's the secret. When the enemy starts putting thoughts in your mind, you wonder where they came from. You have to say, Satan, get out of my mind. It's like Bob would say, the thought came in his mind, but he did not have to give it residence. They didn't have to have a, give him a room as in a hotel to say, oh, I'm going to think about that and meditate on that more. You just need, when you have a thought about that other person or a, or a trigger of going by a place where you wait at or your favorite restaurant, you just say, thank you, Lord. I met her there, and thank you, Lord, she's gone, and I'm back with my wife and my family or husband and my children. You just turn it around to God and pray. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 is also uh, uh, where we ask the Lord to renew your mind and that we will take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, this is asking the Lord to renew our mind and erase all of that other stuff, just to remove it and throw it into the deepest oceans, and then we would not remember it, and we would just erase it. And, you know, it's just like with um, the past, when you become a believer, he says he forgets the past and throws it away. We're going to repent and ask the Lord to remove all the junk that we have done. And it says in verse 2 and 12, Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So renew your mind, and you do that also by reading the Word of God 
and praying, asking the Lord to erase your mind from it. Okay, the next question is, does letting go and letting God mean that I shouldn't suggest to myself that we meet up and go out for a meal? It's the same with family outings and family meals together. Should I continue to keep arranging these? I want to know how much I should orchestrate and how much I let go and let God. Well, I would say if he's going and and willingly going on these, you need to be praising the Lord. And if your husband or wife is stopping by the house and then you invite them to stay for dinner and they do, it ends up they watch a movie, let it be. That is the Holy Spirit. Just keep praying that he has a desire to stay or she has a desire to stay and be with you. We want relationships to rebuild relationships but and you know we, you know when you're manipulating you know what amen. your heart attitude is when you're doing things if it if you're doing something out of trying to show unconditional love to your spouse or if you're trying to manipulate and you if the letting go and letting god does not mean you never reach out to your spouse and and invite them, that, that is an amazing thing to show them that unconditional love. But when you're trying to manipulate things, then that's, that's when you need to step back and let God work things out and not you doing it. But my mom would constantly invite my dad to come home for different events or to mm-hmm. join us for vacations or anything like that. She would constantly show him um, that she did love and care about him. People have told us before, well, I've never told my spouse that I'm praying for restoration or that I'm willing to forgive them. And so the letting go and letting God is not just having no communication, but it's not being manipulative in what you're doing. Well, and the other thing is, is that you want, when they, if you do this, and they, like I sent cards when the Holy Spirit told me, I would send cards and, and just say, I'm missing you, or uh, we miss you, or anything, and just let him know that I'm thinking of him. Um, and, and unless he, they say, stop the cards, or, and Bob would say, don't call me anymore. I'll call you if I need you. Um, and I would do it, and then all of a sudden I would pray. I'd say, Lord, I just want to hear from his voice. And I know that sounds crazy, but I know it doesn't to any of you guys. You'd do anything if you could hear his voice or her voice. So, you know, pray that the Holy Spirit opens the doorway that you can hear their voice or you can do things. But if they say don't do it, um, then, then obey. Then be obedient. Be submissive. And another one that we had here was about uh, their picture. Is it okay for me to have photos of me with my prodigal on my social media? Unless your husband or wife has told you to remove it, leave your family pictures up. You know, you're you're not wanting to remove them unless there's a reason that they say to remove them. and, and that, we, we want to um, live married. Yeah, and that one of our other questions that we had is, do I submit to my husband when we are separated? And that would kind of go along with that question. If your husband has asked you to remove the pictures, then you can show him the respect and the submission in doing it. And it may not be what you're agreeing with right now, but you're trying to show him in this situation where it's 
a husband and a wife that you're you're trying to show him that you do respect him and that you are submitting to him. And um well, you know, submitting- the mission is huge, Lori. I would say just take a step on that. If even if you're divorced, if you're if you have some means of communication with your spouse, um women, you're even if you have to make a a car payment or you have an insurance problem, you know, I would say, please, um, at, call them up and say, ask them a question. I got to buy a car. What do you suggest? Different things like that. They may really w- w- offer to help you more than you realize. Now, Lori and I have been talking. So, uh, Deanne or Jim, I'll ask Jan first. Did you want to make a comment on any of this? before we close on the question and answers. Well, I just, I think the the biggest thing is, is as standards, we're still married. We still see our relationship as God sees our relationship. Amen. And in terms of submitting as, as a wife, I mean, I think that that does show not just respect, but also obedience to God. Um, and on the husband's side of that, uh, if, if in fact my wife told me to stop doing something, that would absolutely um, show a level of love and respect and sacrifice on my part as Christ sacrificed for me. Um, so that is love, and that's really as as a married person, as a married man, I I still want to show from a distance the amount of love that I've been shown through through Christ's sacrifice for me. I think that would be my only comment to all that. Amen. Excellent, Jim. Thank you. Deanne? Um, I would say just, it's, I think it's very, very important that we do express by the guidance of the Holy Spirit that we that we love our spouses, that we miss them, that we, you know, we forgive them and ask them to forgive us that, so that they know that door is always open. I think it's Amen. very, very important that they know that the door is open. If we if we think, like we've been saying, you know, letting go and letting God means us doing nothing, you know, we have to do our part. You know, just mm-hmm. seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, how can I show? What can I say? What can I do? And, and not doing it in our flesh, but being obedient and trusting the Lord and stepping out in courage to do what he leads us to do, because God knows what they need to see. He knows what they need to hear. And we know if they don't hear or see anything from us, the enemy can come in and deceive them that we, you're not forgiven. You know, the enemy puts a fear and a shame and a guilt and all those things that will put a wall and a, and a barrier between us and them, and they feel like there's no, no open door for them to come back. Very good point. Very good point. Excellent, because a lot of men or women we've talked to have said at, at the after they come back, they really, really didn't know they were welcome to come back. They obeyed God instead of knowing for certain they were accepted. Um, Lori, do you want to do one more question, and then we quit? And how about yeah. number six? That's the one I was just going to. Um, the question is, my spouse still lives in our home, but he goes out a lot and doesn't spend much time with us. He constantly threatens to leave. I don't know how to treat him. Right now, I try not to argue with him. I cook for him and do his laundry, but how do I react to his behavior? Um, I'm just going to say I, w- I wish you would read First Peter 3 
and become a First Peter three wife. And there in First um, Peter four, it talks about that um, love covers over a multitude of sin. Um, and think of First Peter, First uh, Corinthians. I'm sorry. 13, what love is. Memorize it. Oh, we all should memorize it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Um, It is a powerful, powerful scripture that says at the end, love never fails. And we, and when you read 1 Corinthians 13, you will find out that many areas that we all can fail and fall short of that when we're have a husband at home, but I would even take it to even to be loving toward your family and children. We need to just show love in what we do, and that's unconditioned agape love. And it's loving each other deeply. And there's we have a we have many in-home prodigals, and we're praying for them to always stay home and never leave home because we're going to show them how much love we are to them. It's um, it, that they are, the Holy Spirit starts revealing to them, look at her, or look at him, why are you leaving? And all of a sudden, there in time, they start to, to stay home for dinner. They, I hear about it. it they were going to go away for the weekend, and all of a sudden they stayed home, or they stayed home and watched a movie, and they laughed, and, then, and they say to them at the very end, I had a good time tonight. It's, it's really showing that unconditional agape love to them, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile. What would Jesus do? Right, and when you're when you're serving your spouse that is not reciprocating love back to you, you need to just be reminded, like of what Jim said a few minutes ago, you're not doing that because of the response that you're going to get from your spouse. You need to be doing those things because you're serving the Lord through doing that. And so if you are ironing his shirt or you are washing your wife's car and you know that that is not going to be appreciated, you do all of those things as unto the Lord. And that is what's going to help you do those daily tasks when you're not really hearing the thank yous and the I love yous and the the things that you need right now at this season. And, And just that's how you can get through it daily. We know that so many people beg and pray and plead with God that they would have Um, communication with their spouse that they have not heard from in a long time, and that is one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is the people that are living with in-home prodigals. They are constantly bombarded with reality right in front of them, and some of them have a very rough reality and that they know their spouse is leaving for days at a time, or they hear their spouse on the phone with somebody else. And so we know that when your spouse is in the house, but you are emotionally separated, that it is a very difficult place to be. But you just, you will be flooding heaven with those prayers as you are constantly doing things and saying, Lord, may he realize this meal was made for him because I love him. Our Lord, may she realize that I filled her car up with gas today because I care about her safety. And and you just do that 
as as you're doing it to God, not to that spouse that maybe right now it doesn't feel like they deserve that unconditional love from you. And I really hate to throw the husband or wife out into the darkness of the world because it will encompass, they will just be sucked up into it. It's harder to bring them out of the, from the world into the house. It's safer. It's under the covering of their home. And it, it, we hear a lot of good reports of people getting victory with this unconditional love and, and seeing victory. Um, in fact, there was one recently um, that had done this in, in many degrees, in our uh, in our local Bible study, and her husband moved back home, and they got remarried and renewed their vows. Is what they did, I believe. And uh, he uh, didn't. He came to our Bible study and thanked everybody for praying for him, and it was marvelous. It was it was breathtaking. She had four little children, and he was coming and going, and and it was just amazing what God did after five years. So God is awesome. Um, Deanne, uh, either one of you want to say a final, and then we're going to go into the prayer. If I could just comment on uh, something I was reminded of yesterday when you and I spoke, Charlene. Missy, when we were out in L.A., Missy and Greg, Missy said one thing that just struck me that, and I know it's, got to be such a heart tear to see your spouse come and go. Um, And somebody out in L.A. made the comment that it feels like I'm a doormat. And Missy said, what does a doormat say? It says, welcome. Of course you want to be a doormat. You want to constantly welcome and love on in that welcome your spouse and allow them, like Deanne said earlier, to know that that door is never closed. And I know that that's got to be difficult. That's not the situation that I'm in, but I would relish a situation where I, my prodigal was, was in the home. And I know that that's probably a bold statement, but that would be my only comment. Missy just struck me with that statement in 2013. Yeah, and then, and that, that, yes, lastly, I would just say that... Um, you know, the Bible tells us to love, bless, do good, and pray for our enemies. I mean, how much more our own spouses mm-hmm. are prodigals. And it's like heaping coals of fire on their head when we don't render evil for evil, evil for evil, but we overcome evil with good. So really, it's we are we are just, they don't comprehend and understand that unconditional love in, in us forgiving and us serving and us doing what they do. So to me, it just opens the door for God to move in such a powerful way. And it, it truly is mm-hmm. not about us. It's about us picking up our cross, following the Lord, and laying our lives down as a living sacrifice. And that's Amen. when God can just move Amen. by his supernatural power. Amen. Wow, that's that's the perfect way to end the question and the answers. And I really appreciate all of everybody commenting on it. And uh, we'd, we'd hit some very good ones and some practical ones. So we're going to go into a time of prayer, and I pray you will stay with us. And uh, if not, if you will certainly call back and listen to the prayer time. We believe this is possibly the most important part of it, as we're praying for you and your spouse and your children to, um, to have their hearts and lives changed 
And I know you don't have anybody maybe to pray with you at home, so you're being prayed for here, and that's why we want you to sit and receive these prayers as somebody standing there in a circle with you, holding your hand and praying for you, and just visualize us. And with you in this circle, we've got this big circle, and we're praying for you. So I wanted to say that. And Deanne is going to open up and uh, start with us today, and then Jim, and go on. And so we just pray that you will join us in this special, special time of crying out to the Lord. Okay. Um, yes, I'm Deanne, and I will be lifting up uh, the women, women standers in our families. Uh, Father God, First of all, I just want to ask you to pour out your anointing upon every precious daughter of God that's listening right now. Father, mend their broken hearts and make them whole in Jesus' name. Apply your healing balm to their children's hearts and minds, to them and their children's hearts and minds, Father, so that they can walk in your ways, walk in their purpose, and continue pressing forward in joy peace and grace, Father God, with all confidence and dignity in Christ. Father, now I just want to um, say that we join in unity across the globe. We declare and we decree that we have right now one heart, one mind, one spirit, one Father, one truth, one love. God, love never fails. And as we've been saying today, love covers a multitude of sin. Love conquers all. Our faith works by love. And Father God, love is your perfect bond. It's the bond of perfection, God. You are love. Therefore, Father God, you will not fail us because love never fails. You will never fail us, God. We are in one accord and agree that all your promises to us are yes and amen. We stand in faith through Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, that you are our protector, our provider, our husband and father. You will never abandon or forsake us. You will supply all of our needs one day at a time, every need in our bodies, our souls, spirits, finances, and our relationships, Father. We say we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We are more than conquerors through him. He is our Prince of Peace, our bright and morning star, our lily of the valley. We can run into him, our rock, our fortress, our high tower, and we are safe. Father, help us to keep our eyes, our minds, and our hearts set on you so that we can receive your perfect peace in the storms of our lives that we're going through right now. Father, help us to seek you first your kingdom, your word, your ways. You have all the answers and are all that we need. I pray, Lord, that all women standers will come to trust in you with all their hearts and not lean to our own understanding, that we would look to you in all things to order our steps and direct our paths. Father, give us your grace to stand strong in you and in the power of your might. Father, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against powers and works of darkness. This is why we need you to remove, cleanse, and purify anything in our lives that would hinder our prayers, our miracle, or our breakthroughs. 
Father, root out any bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, judgment, pride, or rebellion, and fill us with your love, your truth, your grace, your mercy, and your wisdom so that we can stand in the gap, Father, and intercede for our prodigal spouses and our prodigal children. Father, that they would come to their senses, have soberness of mind, and wake up from their sleep and their slumber. Lord, help us to see them through your eyes and help us to be moved with mercy and compassion that we can truly say we forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We know, God, your heart is not willing that any would perish, but for all to come to repentance. Father God, shine your light into our prodigal's lives. Expose the darkness and release truth that will set them free from the power of Satan. Pour out your spirit upon them, God. Open their eyes, their ears, and their hearts to receive your love and goodness that will draw them to repentance. Put all resources and people in their path to speak to them, God, loud and clear. Father, you knit and formed them, each one in their mother's womb, and the very hairs on their head are numbered. You know what they need to hear, and you know what they need to see, Father, to, for them to be saved, healed, delivered, and set free to be who you have created them to be. Lord, we pull down every stronghold in their minds. We take every one of their thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. We pray for divine severance and separation between them and every person, place, and thing in in their life, Father, that is not of you, that is wicked, that is harmful, that is an assignment and attack of the enemy against them, against our marriages, and against our families. Father, shut those doors. Seal them shut that no man could open them, Father, and destroy every yoke, chain, and bondage, lie, and deception, and the soul ties, Father God, in their lives. We know that you alone are God Almighty, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. Nothing is impossible for you, Father. You are not a man that you should or could ever lie. You watch over this word, Father God, that we are praying right now today, and it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish and prosper what you have set out for it to do. We're going to praise you right now, God, and thank you in advance for rescuing our prodigals, bringing them home to us, restoring our marriages and our families, and having your way, Father, your way in our lives and in our homes. Father, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. All, Father God, we know it's going to be in your time. We know it's going to be in your way. Father, all the glory and honor will be unto you, our great God and our great King. Father, thank you for making us the wives that they miss and that they want to be around. Thank you for shaping and molding and preparing us, Father. Prepare us to be who you need us to be and who they want and need us to be, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Father, your word says in Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. But in 12, it says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place 
from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Father, my prayer today for the male standard is that they rest on your word to know that you are fighting this battle with them and for them. It's your breath that's in our lungs. And I just want to praise you in that. For the standard, the male standard, who may be newly separated, whose life has just left, my heart is broken for that man. And Father, I just ask that you give comfort to that man to allow him to know that during this time that you have allowed, you are in this, and have him seek your face in all of this turmoil that he's facing at this moment. For the man who's being threatened by divorce, it's the same. There is no difference except the time may be changing his thoughts in terms of who he is. And Father, work on our hearts as men. Transform us as men. You have asked us to be the leaders in our household spiritually. And during this time of emptiness, of loneliness, as you have done with me, break us for what breaks your heart, Lord. This time that there may be no communication whatsoever with our with our spouses. Allow that time that that man would be spending with his wife in communication to have him spend with you and to have that time be blessed by you, Lord. Show that man that you will never leave him or forsake him, that you are not a man, that you should be broken. We are the ones who are broken. God, you are never changing for the man who may be in the long stand, how difficult it is to know that with in a long stand where there may be no communication to just trust and rest in you. Uh, Father, I pray that that man is involved in his community, that he is going to church on a regular basis, that, that he dedicates his life and his obedience to you um, and is in the word which you have preserved for us for 2,000 years, Lord. I am so grateful that your word tells us that we are to be sons and daughters of yours. Somebody who might be facing false starts, I just pray that that man understands that that door needs to remain open no matter what the circumstances might look like, Lord. Allow his heart to be soft and never hardened toward his prodigal spouse who may be coming in and out of his life, Lord. I just pray that that that, that relationship be rekindled, the fire that they knew in, in their youth. When that man saw that woman for the first time walk down that aisle, I just pray that he remembers that picture in his mind, Lord. Whoever might be facing a non-covenant marriage, Lord, I pray that that, that, that man just allows you to have his wife fully and that he does not try to manipulate or challenge in any way. Uh, Change us, Lord. Change us as men. Allow our temptations to be thwarted from us. Don't, please, Lord, allow us to understand that temptation will be coming at us 
all the time the enemy wants us to continue to try to break our our faith with you our our, our walk with you or allow that our temptations to be um, cast as far as the east is from the west in our lives Lord that is a uh, you know somebody who is addicted to pornography or sexual immorality uh, Lord work on us as men so that purity remains first and foremost in our relationship with you and then in our marriages, Lord. I just pray that in your name. Amen. For the prodigal wives that we have, Lord, I just real quickly, the hardened hearts that we see and the bitterness and anger and the resentment, Lord, just I ask that you change and remove those hearts uh, back to the heart that we originally knew that our wives had and soften those hearts once again, Lord. It's your son's name that I pray these things. Amen. Amen. This is Lori. Lord, I thank you today for each person that's listening to this call. I pray that you would give hope to those that are listening that feel hopeless. And I pray that you would fill each person that feels like they just can't go on another day with the strength that they need to carry on. I pray that you would go after the prodigals, whether it's a husband or a wife or even a prodigal child, and convict them of the life that they have left. Lord, I pray that they would be flooded with memories of their past and of the family that they've walked away from. I pray that they would have remorse over what they have left behind. I pray that they would um, not see their marriage as hopeless, but with you that they can have hope for a restored marriage. God, I pray today that you would break down the walls of pride that may be preventing someone from reaching out and saying I'm sorry and trying to work on the problems that have landed them in this situation. I pray that every interaction between those that are praying for restoration and the prodigals that have left will be filled with grace and with mercy and unconditional love, the same that you offered us when you sent your son to die on the cross. Lord, I pray for the single parents today that are dealing with a new set of issues now that summer is here, with kids that are normally in school now being home or kids heading off to camp or kids heading off to a parent's house um, for a extended vacation. Lord, I pray for the kids that are home and I pray that you would protect them. I pray that there would be harmony in the home during the day with siblings and I pray that those children would be a blessing to their parent that left them at home while they work and while they work so hard to care for them. God, I pray that you would protect these kids and their hearts from the evil that the world has to offer um, online or on their phones or through the cable that they're going to be watching. I pray that um, these kids would not start exploring things that they shouldn't explore out of boredom. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the families that are um, packing kids up for um, visiting another parent, and I ask that you would just give these kids a peace as they enter a home that they may be unfamiliar with and are around people that they don't know. I pray that you would protect the hearts of these kids, and um, Lord, I pray that you would just help these kids to respect their parents regardless of the situation and that they can be a lighthouse for your name. I pray for the parent that is um, possibly going to be left behind now in a home that is now quiet, and I just ask that you would give them um, ideas on how they can use this time for your glory. May they be willing to reach out beyond their own grief and their own heartache and disappointment right now and be willing to be a blessing to someone else that's in the midst of their own trials. 
Lord, so much of what we see day in and day out is the result of a hard heart and unforgiveness. And I pray that you would just open the communication in every family that's listening. We know that you have the power to tell the sea where to stop. You have the power to heal the sick or to part the waters and create dry lands. And we know that you have the power to bring healthy communication about in marriages that seem dead. So we pray that you would do just that in the coming days. We ask that you would create opportunities where we can do what we talked about today and show unconditional love and that we can live that out for those that um, the world may say doesn't deserve it. Lord, I pray that you would bless the remaining time that we have together and that you would um, help each of us to be looking for ways that you are moving in our lives and that you are answering prayers and not just to focus on the negative that we don't see happening. In your name, amen. Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory for this uh, conference call, and we just give you all the praise and the glory for the what we've accomplished in this time and all that was shared and all the hope and all the honesty that was and practical um, steps and advice for what um, they can do to help them. Lord, we pray for the prodigals today. We are praying for them to have their own encounter, their own Damascus Road experience, their own burning bush experience. We pray you would open their eyes and see that the what the enemy has done to them, that the enemy is a liar, he's the father of all lies, and he has lied to the husband, the wives, and even teenager, young adults to believe lies of what that all that they can do, that it's okay to live in sin, it's okay to, to drink and to excess and, and become an alcoholic, it's okay to try drugs and then get hooked on drugs or pills or any other things that um, husbands and wives have done. It's okay to have an affair. It's okay to uh, get married and marry an adulterous situation. Lord, we know that those are lies from the enemy, and we are asking you to speak the truth. Speak the truth to the church. Speak the truth to the world. Speak the truth to every one of the spouses who are living in sin right now and saying it's all right, the world is doing it. The Lord says, and the Bible says it's wrong, and we are going to be held accountable for it if we do not repent. And Lord, I just pray that you will uh, touch all the standards to remove that spirit of jealousy and anger and rage and loose on them the the, uh, love of God and that they would just be filled up with the love of Jesus and uh, the agape love. And we just pray that you would bind that lying spirit and fill them up with the spirit of truth, remove any uh, adulterous situation, remove any pornography situation, and retouch them and fill them up with um, the truth, and the truth shall set them free. We pray they will humble themselves. Every prodigal will humble themselves. They will uh, cry out to you knowing the mess they made, and they do not see the way of escape. And we pray that you will show them the way of escape. You can send angels or you can do anything. You can show them and speak to them so clearly. Open their ears and eyes to see what you want them to do and how to leave the situation and not to feel guilty and feel that they've ruined somebody else's life. May they not take that bondage and that guilt and that shame, and may they just do what you want them to do and show them how to come home and how to leave the situation. We 
pray that you would um, break them free from all the bondages of sin uh, that they've gotten themselves into with alcohol or drugs, and may they be willing to go to a rehab if it's necessary. May they um, go to... um, to uh, team challenges and other places of helps, and may they go to their home, to their pastor, to their wife, their husband, and say, I know I made a mess, but now help me get out of it. So, Lord, we just ask that you would be the intercessor and you would just help them to show them and go rescue them and speak to them so loudly, so strongly. And we will just give you all the praise because you take those hardened hearts and you're going to turn them to hearts of flesh. And you will rebuild what the Lord, the devil has destroyed. The Lord will say we'll be the lighthouse and we will share our mess to become a message, and we will have a testimony to tell others, don't go down the road I opened up, but let me share what the Lord did for me. And, Lord, we just give you all the praise and the glory for what you're going to do in each and every one of these uh, families' lives, and the husband, the wife, the Uh, and the children, and each of them, regardless of all the circumstances that tore this marriage apart, you're going to heal it, you're going to restore it, and you're going to make it even better than the day of their marriage. And we are just going to give you all the glory, you all the honor and praise, because you're the one that is going to be the builder. You're going to be the architect, and you are going to make everything new. And you will get the glory, you will get the honor and praise, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. And we just pray that you will increase these standards, faith, hope, and trust in you. And may they repent now after they've heard this meeting. May they examine their own heart and ask the Lord to change them and mold them to make them to be the husband or wife that they need to be in and start on a road picking up the cross and following the Lord on that narrow road and may their marriage be healed sooner than later and we will just pray that thousands will be coming home every week and we'll just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus precious holy name amen amen well it's the end of the time again, as always, which we hate to, to close up, but we've enjoyed doing our June conference call, and I really deeply appreciate Tim and Lori being with me, and Deanne and Jim, you have been a blessing to us today in sharing and praying for the people, and thank you for doing this on a work day. I really appreciate this. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you, Charlene. God bless you all, and have a blessed uh, afternoon. And tell everybody to uh, go and listen to this tonight, and it's going to be up forever. Have a great day. We're praying for your marriage to be resurrected and restored. God bless. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit rejoiceministries.org. And help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.